This is a podcast from Minute Media. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Surely You Can't Be Serious podcast. We are feeling the need the need for speed right now because we're about to jump into the Top Gun soundtrack. If this is your first time joining us, listen in as we're about to go behind the scenes on every single track of the 1986 Top Gun soundtrack as well as a few bonus tracks including a couple off of the new soundtrack for Top Gun Maverick. That's right, we've got two footballs, we've got our volleyball, we've got loads of coconut oil, and we're both wearing aviator sunglasses. We are ready to go today. Okay, Jason, we have a new executive producer for this episode. It is my buddy, Sean Canavy from college. Sean, the lactose intolerant friend. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, wait. From Wisconsin. Yes, that's right. (laughs) Dairy capital of the world, lactose intolerant. His parents would send us cheese curds and he wouldn't be able to eat them. Like the roommates all ate the cheese curds that they sent. Sean, thank you, man. Thank you for becoming a Patreon for our show. We appreciate it. Yes. Executive producer, Sean Canavy, famous for doing The Ride, which story I'll tell you on another day. But yeah, it's a good one. Fantastic. Thank you, Sean. Love you, man. Thanks, Sean. And then also we have somebody who has stepped up and answered the call to put a line in a review. Really? Really? I haven't caught this. I'm anxious to hear what this is. Okay. When we were doing our Dirty Dancing versus Saturday Night Fever episodes, I said, if you put a line from one of those movies in a review, you will be entered into a contest to win a engraved custom Ozark Tumblr with your name and the Surely You Can't Be Serious logo on it. And someone stepped up to the challenge. All right. This is Mama Cat seventy seven. Hey, Mama Cat seventy seven. I don't know who that is, so you're gonna have to you're gonna have to reach us on Twitter and reach us on Facebook in okay. case we need to send you a cup. Yeah. But Mama Cat says, "Let your soul glow." Nobody puts baby in a corner. You guys are awesome. I really appreciate the podcast. Keep up the good work and keep on keeping on. Thank you, MamaCat77. You are going to be entered into the contest. We've already given out a few of those cups to our special winners. And people listening today, if you want to be entered into a contest to win one of these custom engraved cups, just put in I feel the need, the need for speed, or some other famous top Take gun. Take me line. on your mighty wings or Buzz in the Tower. Highway to the Danger Zone. Any of those will work. Talk to me, Goose. All right, this album was released May 13th, 1986. Jason, what were you doing? Summer of 1986. Summer of 1986, I was getting ready to turn 13 years old. I was listening to a lot of Van Halen 5150. This is right before, of course, Bon Jovi hits. Yeah. And Top Gun was a huge, huge movie for me. And this soundtrack carried me through that summer of 86. Awesome. What about you? In May of 86, I was 10. I was still in my jeans jacket and obsessing about Marty McFly from Back to the Future phase. Yeah. But going into the summer, there were some new songs that were coming out that were pretty exciting as well. My MTV watching was ramping up during this time. Absolutely. The videos were starting to get good. We already did talk about some of these songs. That was part of a episode dedicated to Top Gun the movie. We just touched on it, but those two episodes have been so popular that we decided we should have a 
full music episode, so that's why we're bringing this to you today. If you haven't heard those episodes, be sure and check out our Top Gun episode and our Top Gun Maverick episode, which is spoiler-free for about the first half, and then slight spoilers after that, but right. definitely check those episodes out. This album hit number one July 26th of 86, was number one for three weeks, and then it came back in September, and then again, back again in October. Yeah, it hit number one, and then it got knocked out by True Blue, iconic album. Yes. Hit number one again, got knocked out by Dancing on the Ceiling, another iconic album. Yes, yes. And hit number one again and get, finally got knocked out for the last time by Huey Lewis and the News 4. This is the number five best-selling album of 1986. Dude, I'm excited. Can we can we start talking songs? Uh, one more thing. Okay. So this is the best-selling soundtrack of 1986. Sure. But I've got the list of the top-selling soundtracks of all time. Okay. I want to breeze through these real quick because some we've touched on. Okay. And some we want to touch on. Yeah. I'm just going to start 20. We'll go quickly right there. Number 20 is Evita. Number 19, The Jazz Singer. Number 18, City of Angels. Number 17, The Big Chill. We talked about that, how that was kind of one of the very first big soundtracks. 16, Space Jam. 15, Flashdance. That's a Simpson-Bruckheimer. Yeah, that's the, the definitely a seed for this album. That has Giorgio Moroder all over it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Number 14, Pure Country. Number 13, The Little Mermaid. Number 12, Waiting to Exhale. Number 11, Greece. Hope to cover that next year. Number 10, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Number 9 is Top Gun. Number 8 is Footloose. Go back to our Footloose track-by-track episode. Number 7, The Lion King. Number 6, Titanic. Number 5, The Dirty Dancing soundtrack. It's been huge for us. Yes. Number 4, The Forrest Gump soundtrack. Uh, Understandable, but that's all old music, not original stuff like this. Number 3, Purple Rain. Of course. Number 2, Saturday Night Fever. Yes, we knew that. And the number one selling... Soundtrack of all time, The Bodyguard, Whitney Houston. Uh, Of course. All right, let's dive in. Song by song, track by track. Right out of the gate, we've got maybe the most memorable song of the whole album, Danger Zone, by Mr. Kenny Loggins. Awesome intro, right out of the gate, crunchy guitars, just kicking butt, and then you got this pulsing heartbeat-like drum as Kenny Loggins comes in with the vocals. It is too cool for school, but Kenny Loggins was not the guy who was supposed to do this song. No, he was not. Tell me the story, man. Okay, so Giorgio Moroder is the guy who wrote this song. Yeah. Initially, they wanted maybe Corey Hart. They talked about Ario Speedwagon. Brian Adams. Brian Adams. Toto was the one. I mean, Toto was it. Toto was the one. Tell us the Toto story. So after 300 open call submissions from artists, people all over said, we want to write the intro theme song for Top Gun. They submitted it. The producers sat around. They listened to every single one. And they sort of had this like anybody could blackball it. Like 10 seconds in, one guy says, nah. Then they kicked it out, put in another cassette and moved right on. 
300 songs. 300 songs. And after going through 300, they're like, we don't really like any of these. Now, Kenny Loggins was a part of the group that they showed the movie to, and he saw all these other artists in there, and he says to his writing partner, let's not try for the intro song. They're going to give that to somebody else. Let's do the volleyball scene. Right. So that song was going to come up later, and we'll talk about that, but Danger Zone was not his contribution. So the producers contacted this guy named Giorgio Moroder. Yeah. Now, he had worked with them on the Flashdance soundtrack. Yeah. Had a good working relationship with Sinsen and Bruckheimer. Yes. After they got with him, he wrote Danger Zone. And they had planned to have Toto sing this, okay? Right. We talked about this in our previous episode. I think we talked about it during our Toto episode. Uh-huh. So they brought in the guys from Toto. They listened to their version of Danger Zone. They said, we really like it, but I think what we're going to do, instead of having you guys play on it, we're going to keep your singer, and we're going to have session musicians play the instruments. That's insane. Right. I mean, Toto is the band behind Thriller, the album. Why would you have those guys and say, we're going to have somebody else perform the music? Right. And they took it as an insult, and rightfully so. Yeah. They're like, well, no, that's not going to work. So screw you guys. We're out of here. We're going home. Right. (laughs) Screw you guys. We're going home. So Columbia really wanted to use an artist under their label. So they offered it to Brian Adams. And he was like, no, I don't like pro-war movies. Right. They offered it to Starship. Yeah, I heard that too. And and like you said, Ario Speedwagon, Kenny Loggins said that he was talking to the guy from Ario Speedwagon. He was like, yeah, the notes were too high for me to hit. I'm like, wait a minute. Ario Speedwagon? No? What? Right, 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 okay, right, yeah, sure. But Kenny was down the street recording his vocals on Playing With The Boys. Yeah. And, of course, he had huge success with Footloose. We knew from two years prior to that. Yeah, as well as I'm All Right from Caddyshack. And so they called him up and they said, Hey, Kenny, uh, we're already dropping music into the movie. Mm-hmm. And we've got a song that's super important to the movie, but we don't have anybody who can sing it. And Kenny Loggins said, I just have one question. Is it up-tempo? said yes it is he said great i'll do it never heard it right never heard it until he got to the studio yeah he sat down with tom whitlock and tweaked a few things uh put the bridge in there that kind of gave you that relaxing point in between the high intensity of the first part and the high intensity ending is that his that's okay his, that, that's, that's his cool. court he doesn't have any writing credit on it but he definitely i mean he is he's a major songwriter for decades well, so yeah he gave up his songwriting credit on this on yeah. purpose yeah because there's some sort of Oscar-nominated thing where Whitlock and Marauder wanted to keep that string alive and not add Logan's name into it. And so he actually has been fighting for royalties for about 30 years. I think he gave up. I think he finally just said, you know, it's okay. Let's, that's, okay. that's cool with me. I'm going to let that slide. I think he's finally let that go. Did he? Okay. Can I tell you the story on Giorgio Moroder and Tom Whitlock? Uh, please, tell me. Okay, so we mentioned in our last episode that Tom Whitlock was like Giorgio Moroder's Ferrari mechanic, right? Yes, yes. Okay, there's so much more to the story than that, and it is, it's not as Van Halen as it seems. Oh, okay. You know, Van Halen, Sammy Hagar, and Eddie Van Halen both had the same Ferrari mechanic, same Lambo mechanic, I think, actually, and he's the one that introduced him. Yes. So, Giorgio Moroder, the guy's been making music for 70 years. I mean, he's he's an incredible force. He was called the father of disco. He pioneered EDM music. I mean, he's a huge name. He started Musicland Studios, which had artists 
recording there like the Rolling Stones, ELO, Led Zeppelin, Deep Purple, Queen, Elton John, and then he started to do the soundtrack scores. He did Midnight Express, and then he did American Gigolo. Yes. He also did Superman 3. Did he? <laughs> yes. Well. Yeah, Scarface and The NeverEnding Story, and he did the 1984 restoration of Metropolis. And so it's like that wow. version that you can watch is called the Marauder version of Metropolis. But that flash dance soundtrack he did what a feeling the flash dance song by irene cara but he had he had gotten all kinds of success i mean he was a huge name which is why the berlin folks were so interested in having him which right. we'll talk about here in a second yes so he makes his way over to the u.s he does american gigolo call me by blondie is on there that's him call me and he's over at a studio where there are a couple of guys working. One of those guys is Tom Whitlock. Now, Tom is a musician. He was a rock drummer. He studied music at Drury University. Did you say Drury University? Drury University, yes, up in Missouri. In Springfield? Yes, in Springfield, Missouri. One of my best friends went to Drury. Okay. Well, well there you go. He's, okay. In that small, small school, yeah. one, of the, one of the guys that went there was Tom Whitlock. Well, he had come out to L.A. to make a name as a musician, right? And he's helping his buddy out at the studio. Now, this guy's, I mean, he's a music engineer for Breakfast Club, among others. I mean, this is, he's not small wow. potatoes either. Okay. But... Giorgio Moroder is there and he's like complaining about how his brakes won't work in his Ferrari. Okay. So Tom Whitlock, good old boy from Missouri, just goes, tell me what's going on. And Moroder explains. He's like, just give me a second. He runs down to the convenience store, buys brake fluid. This is what he did. He was not a mechanic. He bought two pints of brake fluid, came back, put it in Moroder's car. And he's like, there you go, man. That should work. Wow. Moroder was so impressed. He was like, how about you come and work with me at my studio? So that is the full story. It wasn't, you know, you're my Ferrari mechanic. It wasn't it like is, this guy covered with grease. It was a guy who was a musician who just knew how to change brake fluid and got lucky one day. That's incredible. Yeah. That's a great story. So he got hired to work at Marauder Studio, and he starts studying recording with Brian Reeves, who did Scarface and Flashdance and Beverly Hills Cop. Then Marauder gets contacted to do the Top Gun soundtrack. And his normal writing partners are busy, and he knows that Tom is a musician, so he says, hey, do you want to help me write some songs on this one? They write five songs together for the soundtrack, and history is made. Including Danger Zone, Take My Breath Away, plus Lead Me On by Tina Marie, we're going to talk about. And Tom Whitlock would go on to do a song for Sammy Hagar, Winner Take All from the yeah, Over the Top one. soundtrack, yes. and another song for Kenny Loggins, Meet Me Halfway. Also Tom Whitlock. Meet me halfway. <laughs> that was another song that kind of furthered Kenny Loggins' soundtrack career. Yeah, exactly. Mr. Soundtrack. He got it. Interestingly, this song only made it to number two. We talked about this during our Top Gun episode. Yeah. Which is a crime to me because it's one of the best songs of the 80s. It really is like the 80s in one three and a half minute song. Right, and I remember the song that kept it out, but remind, it, remind our audience. That song was called Sledgehammer by Peter Gabriel. Which was all over the place that it, year. It was, and it's a good song. It's Yeah, it's a good song. It was really the video that made that song. What I it was, agree with you. The video was really cutting edge and really cool. In the battle of one versus two, I'm taking Danger Zone every day of the week, though. Right. Right. And I'll just throw this out there. Yeah. Listeners, if you haven't heard our Duran Duran episode, go back and check that out. We went track by track through Rio with our friend Melissa Mingle. Mingle. Uh -huh. 
And she mentioned that she had the new album called Future Past, right? Yes. Well, Mr. Tom Whitlock wrote two of the songs with Duran Duran for that album. How about that? Yep. Tonight, United, and Beautiful Lies. That is really cool. How about that? Yeah. Kenny Loggins said that he had been listening to a lot of Tina Turner. Yeah. And so when he was singing, that's why you get the uh, Danger Zone. Danger Zone. I think that's cool. Tina Turner making her stamp. Yeah. Here's what's interesting. Kenny Loggins was doing an interview and he pointed out that Marauder would use a Yamaha DX7, but unlike everybody else in the industry, he would just take it out of the box and just start playing the stock sounds that came with it. And Kenny Loggins is like, I'm out there as long with all these other artists trying to create our own unique sound. Yeah. And to quote, we're all trying to create custom sounds and he just plugged it in and made a load of hit records. <laughs> Giorgio Moroder does play the synths and drum machine for Danger Zone. Yeah. Before we get to the music video, I've got to throw my boy Dan Huff another bone. (laughs) Yeah. He plays guitar on Danger Zone. Because we said we're never going to play this song in any of our episodes, and here we are, we're playing it a second time. (laughs) Dan Huff is the lead singer for Giant, and they had one awesome song, the spring of 1990, called I'll See You in My Dreams. I love this song, man. It's one of my favorites. I know that it is. (laughs) I can't believe we stuck it in another episode. Twice. (laughs) Twice. You're a bigger fan than I am. (laughs) That's okay. So we talked about Kenny Loggins agreeing at the last minute to do this. Yeah. He said, as they're recording it, he's like, how long do we have to do this? And Marauder's like, I have to dub this into the movie in the next 24 hours. (laughs) So it was, I mean, the song that you get, they did in less than a day's work. That's incredible. Yeah. And listen, I don't want to over-dramatize things, Mm -hmm. but we talked at length in both the Top Gun episode and the Maverick episode, where you have the Top Gun theme that explodes into Danger Zone as they take off from the, the flight deck of the aircraft carrier. Yeah. And it's a blow your socks off moment in the movie, right? Yeah. In both movies. Both movies. It's so important and hugely impactful for the tone of the movie. Yeah, absolutely. Kenny said he went to Tom and said, hey, how about I dress up in a uniform and just do a walkthrough for the movie? And Tom was like, yeah, yeah, okay. No. No. (laughs) It didn't happen. Could you imagine? I would have lost my mind. Yeah. Had had I seen Kenny Loggins dressed up as a four-star general walking through the... That would have been cool, man. (laughs) He'd have to get a hide and tight and shave the beard off, probably. Yeah. Okay, let's talk video. Yeah. So you have basically a paid advertisement for the movie Top Gun. It's like a summary of the movie all in a four-minute video. It really is. You know who directed that video? I do. Mr. Tony Scott, the director of the movie, directed the music video, and basically Kenny Loggins is in a bedroom, a little bit sweaty, with his aviator sunglasses on, sitting up, laying down on a bed. Yeah. Nothing major. You have sunglasses and a fan. That's it. And that's it. And And then at one, for one brief second, Kenny Loggins is laying down on a pillow singing to you, and then all of a sudden he's taking pictures of you with a handheld camera. (laughs) I don't know what the purpose of that was, but interesting idea. But the reason why we love that video is because it was 80% clips from the movie. You even get Maverick, got a gridlock, firing. 
Kenny Loggins showed up to the set and he's like, okay, so what are we going to do? And he goes, not much. We're pretty well just going to intercut you with the movie and that's about it. I got a fan. I got some sunglasses. You're good to go. <laughs> here's a fan. Here's some sunglasses. Here, mess around with this camera. By the way, Kenny Loggins did record an updated version of Danger Zone. Uh-huh. A little different. And guess what? Tom Cruise is like, nah, we're going to stick with the 86 version. Yeah. And you know what? It was a good choice. I think that was the right call. Yeah. It's so good. Okay, are we ready to move on to Cheap Trick? Let's move on to Cheap Trick. Okay, our song number two is Mighty Wings. This is a song written by Harold Faltermeyer and Mark Spiro, and it is the third single to come off of this album. Dude, I love this song. Really? This song gets overlooked. It is a fantastic song in this album. It definitely gets overlooked. And I don't know, I mean, you've got an s- album that's obviously one of the best-selling soundtrack albums of all time. This is a single off of that album in the year that it's at the top of the charts, and yet it kind of falls flat. It, it didn't chart. I don't, didn't I don't really get it. Billboard listed this song as a pop pick and stated, Feverish, fast, pulse rock from Top Gun, inclusion in the Smash soundtrack, should push the band towards its strongest chart bid in years. That did not happen. Nope. And yeah. I don't know why, because this is an awesome song that's used prominently in the movie. Yeah. They use it twice. Yeah. It's, I mean, it is, it's 80s all over. It's power all over. I don't know what happened. So here's what happened. I think this is the the answer. Tell me. It was moved from the second single released to the third single released in favor of Take My Breath Away. Right. Which blew up. Yeah. And they didn't have a video for it. That is, I think, the answer right In there. 1986? In 1986, you have to have a video. That doesn't, that's the answer right there. Because if you are riding the wave of Danger Zone followed by Take My Breath Away, you don't have to do some sort of miraculous thing. Give us another video with Top Gun clips and you're going to soar up the charts. That is the answer to the question. As I said, this song was written by Harold Faltermeyer. And we mentioned last episode... He was the guy who did Axel F, which yes. was another huge topper, right? Yes. He referred to that song as the banana theme because in the movie, <laughs> he's like, how much just for t- two bananas? He's like, you go on and you take them bananas. <laughs> Look, man, I evolved for no banana in the tailpipe. <laughs> <laughs> so the banana theme is by Harold Faltemeyer. And he was a kid who parents got him into music and a music professor's listening to him. And he's like, holy cow, this kid has perfect pitch. At like three years old, he's he's got some amazing abilities. Like Marauder, he starts working at a recording studio, is doing engineering at a very young age for major classical sessions. And Giorgio Marauder, his ears are perked, and he's like, let's bring this guy to L.A. So Giorgio Marauder is the guy who brought Harold Faltermeyer to L.A., and he played and arranged for Midnight Express, which... I mean, that one, that one marauder his first Oscar. Okay, I, I want to point out something that I think is a little bit overlooked, okay? Simpson and Bruckheimer have been credited with sort of bringing some of these 70s rock stars through the 80s by using soundtracks. Absolutely true one of for them, Kenny Loggins. Kenny Loggins, yeah. right? 
on the Beverly Hills Cop soundtrack, you have Glenn Fry, who has a huge hit. True. Beverly Hills 2 soundtrack, you've got Bob Seger. Bob Seger. Yeah. For Armageddon, you have Aerosmith, who has a smash song. Biggest song of their career. Cheap Trick falls into that category. It does. They're a 70s band. But they didn't do a video. Okay, now wait a minute. Here's the thing. I wanted to bring this up, because they thought that this might be the song to bring Cheap Trick back into the forefront of the MTV viewing audience. Right. That did not happen. No. But it did happen just a couple years later with the song called The Flame. Which is one of my all-time favorite songs. This is how I know Cheap Trick. You and I both, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. So that song went number one July of 1988. It knocked out Dirty Diana. Wow. Who on guitar had... Steve Stevens. Steve Stevens. And it was knocked out by Richard Marks' Hold On To The Nights. Nice. Which was number one over Pour Some Sugar On Me. Topped out at number two. So, summer of 88, you had some interesting stuff going on chart-wise. Man, the 80s were a good year. Man. Good decade for music. I love this song. It is in the conversation for the best. I'm going to put you on the spot at the end of this thing, and I'm going to say, what song is the best? Mm-hmm. It won't be this one. I'm writing this one down as just kind of a little side note. Okay. You All right. it in your notes over there. I'm putting it in my notes. <laughs> All right. Moving on to song number three. It makes me feel happy. It makes me feel gay. <laughs> <laughs> Laying with the boys. <laughs> <laughs> So this is the song that Kenny Loggins said to his writing partner, hey, let's not try for the main theme. Let's try for something that not so many people are going for. And this, they said, let's do the volleyball one, right? Right. And his writing partner, by the way, is Peter Wolf, um, who has arranged a ton of stuff, including Who's Johnny from Who's Johnny? Short Circuit. Yeah. yeah. DeBarge. DeBarge? Yeah. El DeBarge, I think, El right? DeBarge. Yep. But this one hit number 60. Didn't do too bad. Yeah. This one is known more for the movie. The yeah. volleyball scene in the movie. So this song has been used in dozens, literally dozens of movies and TV episodes, and every single time it involves volleyball. <laughs> As it should. It actually is featured in the 1990 movie Side Out with C. Thomas Howell. Do you remember mm-hmm. that movie? No. It's a whole movie devoted to volleyball. So, of course. you got to have Play With The Boys. Got to. It was a hit at all the gay nightclubs. <laughs> was it? Jonathan Cohen of Spin Magazine called it a sort of gay anthem. Okay. I mean, you can't hear the words and not have... YMCA and the village people <laughs> pop into your head a little bit. And I will say there was one non-volleyball movie episode that this song came up in. And it was an episode early on in season one of Cobra Kai. Johnny Lawrence is being drug home drunk and he's singing Playing with the Boys. Nice. Nice. Okay. I've got to ask you. Yeah. Have you seen this music video? Um, no. <laughs> Okay, at the end of the Surely You Can't Be Serious podcast, we need to amass a list of the worst music videos ever made, okay? Right. We talked at length during our Toto 4 episode Mm -hmm. about the video for Waiting for Your Love. Very sweaty, no bras. Very 80s. Lots of shoulder pads, no boob pads. (laughs) 
child molester glasses, the whole nine yards, and we called it one of the worst videos of all time. Yeah, and we also saw the original version of the Pour Some Sugar On Me video, which again is in that category. For songs coming out in the mid to late 80s to still have videos this bad is not acceptable. Right. Which I, the band agreed, they made a different video and it was much better. Was it Russell McKay who had done that horrible... I think so. I think it was. I think I it was think so. Russell McKay who had done the horrible first version of the Poor Sugar Show. Yeah. Well, this one's in the conversation. Uh, okay. Because it literally looks like my church youth group shot this while we were playing volleyball after church one night. Okay. It's a low budget. It's guys versus girls in a volleyball match. Yeah. And they're all dressed, they look like they belong on Jane Fonda's workout video. <laughs> And Kenny Loggins is on the side, and he's sort of playing the guitar while the boys take an early lead, the girls come back, and I think the girls actually win the volleyball. It's terrible. The song's named Playing With The Boys and The Girls Win. The girls are sort of playing with the boys. Oh, my word. If you get a chance, go watch that music video. (laughs) Okay, you got any more on Playing With The Boys? Nope. Okay, let's jump into song number four. Take on me. No, no, wait a minute. No, Lead me on. Wait, yes. was that me? Was I singing? Yes, that was you singing. That was wrong. Okay, that's not that's not this song. No, it's no, not. No, I got it wrong. Okay, it is Lead Me On, but it is by... Tina Marie. Lady T. Okay, I'm going to make the case that this song is awesome. Okay. All right. The horns are freaking infectious. It's got a pop rock feel to it. The singer's voice is great. Tina Marie's got that great soprano voice. Love it. I don't care what anybody else says. I am unapologetically a big fan of this song right here. This is not a skipper for me. I would listen to this song for sure. I like Tina Marie's voice. Tina Marie, there's not an artist that you probably have heard a lot about if you're more rock fans like we are. Right. This is definitely on the rock side of the things that she has done. She actually sang and acted from the time that she was a little kid. She was on an episode of the Beverly Hillbillies. Really? Yeah. So her family moves out to California. They're not super well off. She ends up kind of growing up in a urban neighborhood with a lot more black people than white people. Right. She meets this lady named Bertha Lynn Jackson, who kind of becomes her godmother. And that has a profound influence on her musical style. She ends up getting signed by Barry Gordy. And she starts doing stuff for him, making these songs, but nothing is getting released. It's just like she keeps recording stuff, but they're not releasing anything. And then she runs into Rick James. The super freak himself. Super freak? Yes, super freaky. Rick James is supposed to produce an album for Diana Ross, but when he meets Tina Marie, he's like, who's who's Diana Ross? I don't nice. think I've heard of her. I'd like to re- I would like to produce Tina Marie. Now, of course, they get involved in a romantic relationship, of course they do. as yeah. you would expect. But he gives her the name Lady T, and they produce the album Wild and Peaceful, which contains a duet by them called I'm a Sucker for Your Love. <laughs> That's great. It was a chart topper, but on the album, there's no picture of her. So everybody thinks, I mean, we got Rick James as the producer. We got Barry Gordy as the, I mean, obviously. She's black, right? Right. And so they invite her and Rick James onto Soul Train, where suddenly everybody's like, 
Where'd that white woman come from? <laughs> she is pasty white, too. She is the first white female guest on Soul Train. She appeared another eight times, which is the most of any white female guest. She's called the Ivory Queen of Soul. Yeah. And I know her most from her song called Lover Girl. was a big hit in 1985. It reached number four. Well, she kept recording for the Motown records, but they were refusing to publish any of her stuff. They wouldn't release the records. And so she had to sue them, which is an interesting thing. Here you are. You are limited by contract. You can't go record for another label, but we're not going to release anything that you are recording. And she's like, this isn't fair. I can't, you can't do this to me. And ultimately she won the case and it is literally called the Brockert Initiative because her name is Tina Brocker. Interesting. Yep. And it says you can't hold somebody to a label and simultaneously not release their stuff. It's too much of a limitation. That's like slavery, yeah. So she ends up signing with Columbia. 1984 is when Star Child comes out, which had Lover Girl on it like you talked about, and that's when we come along with Lead Me On. Okay, we've got to talk about her early death. Yeah, before we do, I will just say she was a big influence going on for other artists. She was the godmother of Maya Rudolph from Saturday Night Live because her dad produced Tina Marie's second album. And she was also a godmother to Marvin Gaye's daughter, Nona. And Lenny Kravitz said when he was first starting out and struggling as a musician, he went to her and she absolutely helped him with his career. Well, that's great. Yeah, she had... Unfortunately, a bad end to this rather beautiful story. This was a tragic story when I read this, okay? Yeah. I knew she died early. I think she died at 52. But in 2004, Tina Marie was asleep in a hotel room Uh in her bed, and a huge picture frame fell off the wall and hit her in the head. Oh, no. Just like complete freak accident. Yeah. Falls off the wall, cracks her in the skull. It caused a serious concussion that resulted in huge seizures for the rest of her life. In fact, she had a grand mal seizure one month before her death. Uh. On December 26, 2010, she was found dead by her daughter. When the coroner did the autopsy, he said she died of natural causes, but really it all resulted back to that freak picture falling off the wall and cracking her in the skull. Wow, that's tragic. Tragic. Yep. Loss of a great voice. Okay, we done with this one? think so. Time for maybe the biggest song on the entire album. It's a biggie. This song is called Take My Breath Away. Okay, so this song is by the group Berlin, but really it's Terry Nunn. Yes, it is. So Terry was born in June of 61, and her dad was an actor, but he was an alcoholic. He ended up committing suicide when she was 15. Oh, no. So she went out kind of on her own, and in 76, she posed for Penthouse. She also auditioned for Princess Leia in Star Wars. I knew that. Well, all the databanks in R2 are still secure. I was like, what? Yeah. So, but just real quick, I'm going to say those dates again. She was born in 61, and she posed for Penthouse in 76. Let me do the math here. 15? 15. No. Yeah. She convinced him that she was over 18 and denied that it was her. Used another name, denied that it was her for years, but no. She, it was absolutely her. She tricked him posing at 
15 years old for Penthouse. Wow. And losing out the part of Princess Leia to Carrie, Carrie Fisher. Fisher. You can see her audition, which is pretty cool, on YouTube, I believe. Oh, nice. Yeah. Well, good news is she found other avenues. She starts looking in a music contact service in Hollywood. And hey, there's this band called Berlin that's looking for a singer. They just lost their main singer. They had a replacement singer for just a little while. Did the live shows with them. You know who this was? No. Tony Childs. You might remember the hit Don't Walk Away from 1988. Yeah. So Tony Child sang that song. She was the singer for Berlin for just a brief period before Terry Nunn joined the band. Wow. So Berlin had gotten started by a guy named John Crawford. Yes. They did okay. Terry Nunn ends up leaving to become an actress in 79. They get somebody else to come in to sing, but the record labels who were interested were like, well, we were really more interested with that other singer than with your new singer. Right. And they're like, okay, well, let's see if we can get her back. They get her back. But by this time, John Crawford's got his own other separate band that's really his main project. And this Berlin thing is just his kind of for fun thing. So they record this song called The Metro. Yeah. And it ends up being a success. I love that song. Okay, well, let's listen to it here. fantastic yeah so now berlin is starting to be successful and john crawford's like oh well i guess i gotta go back over here he's other band fahrenheit has to get left behind and he goes off with berlin to start doing music and by 1984 they are saying to themselves okay we have to get giorgio Moroder to come and help us do an album yes That's all we need if we can just get him to come and they're like how much do we have not enough. Not much. Do we have enough for a song? Uh-huh. How much for just one reel? <laughs> yes, you have enough for just one song. So once again, this is the stars aligning. Yep. So Giorgio Moroder comes in to help them with the song, No More Words. which is a wonderful song. I absolutely love it. You're a big Vision Quest fan, right? I love Vision Quest, yeah. Yeah, so it's featured in Vision Quest. It is a top 40 hit, but the big news is that while they are in the process of producing that song, Giorgio Moroder comes running into the room saying, oh my gosh, I have this big song for this big new movie with Tom Cruise, and it's coming out in the summer, and it's going to be the biggest movie of all time, and you should sing the song. Uh-huh. And Terry Nunn is like, yes. And John Crawford's like, wait a minute. Hold right. on. Why would we do somebody else's song? Terry Nunn says that is not the final nail, but one of the nails in the coffin that split Berlin and did them in, essentially. Because they never really had a successful song that even came close to what Take My Breath Away did. It won the Academy Award. Yep. And it won the Golden Globe. Yeah. It was a humongous song. Maybe one of the biggest songs in 1986. It allows Berlin to travel the world doing concerts, but they're frustrated. The band members are frustrated because the song that everybody wants to hear them play is not even their song. Right. And so, yeah, it was it was the spark that lit the dynamite that would destroy the band. Here's the thing. When you listen to the song The Metro... Mm-hmm. It's very pop, very new wave, very different than Take My Breath Away. 
By the way, the name Berlin. These this is a group from LA. Like when I heard him talking the first time, I'm like, these guys have American accents. What are you about <laughs> right. Yeah. So they just picked the name because they thought it sounded European and exotic. It had nothing to, they have no connection with Germany whatsoever. <laughs> well, they were onto something there. I guess so. Steve Lugather talks about how Toto had written a song to be the love theme for Top Gun. That's right. That song's called Only You. actually think it's a good song it's not take my breath away no but it could have been maybe it could have I been mean, if you played that song during the love scene between charlie and pete maybe yeah have you heard the motels version of take my breath away I've heard that, yeah, and it's not bad. It's, it, but it's definitely, it's still, it's not the production that this was. Okay, here's the thing. Yeah, she's got a great voice. Mm-hmm. It's not as desperate sounding, as passionate sounding as Terry Nunn is. So she talked about that at this point in her life, she was down. She was sad. Mm-hmm. This was not a romantic feeling that she had when she sang the song. This is a, a depressed, sad sound, which is, you can hear it. Yes, you can. She talked about being sad, and sad because she wasn't involved in a romantic relationship, right? And right. she hadn't had one in a while. You know who she dated in 1985? John Crawford. Michael Hutchins. What? Of NXS. Really? Yep. Interesting. Interesting. And then he went back to Australia. And they were done. Yeah. There's one change between the Motel song mm-hmm. and the Berlin song that I think you probably have to credit to Terry Nunn. Okay. There's a line in the Berlin version of the song where she says, If only for today, I am unafraid. emotional desperation loving romantic line from that movie and that that line is missing from the motels version terry takes her mom to a party yes. at Giorgio Moroder's house uh-huh and Giorgio Moroder also he already has the academy award for flash dance right? right he's got a screening room big Big screen for the screening room. Of course. And he's got his Academy Award sitting on the shelf on the left-hand side. And Terry Nunn's mother is alone with Giorgio Moroder in the screening room. And they're sitting there. And she says, you see that space on the right-hand side of the screen? That will be for the Oscar for Terry's song. And Giorgio's like, yes, well, I hope so. Yes. She was correct. She was right. And so when it gets nominated, they called up Terry Nunn. And I think she was over in... She was in Taiwan. Yeah, I was going to say Asia. Yeah, Yeah. Taiwan, yes. And they're like, hey, we'd like for you to come perform live at the Oscar ceremony. Uh Uh-huh. 
yeah, sure. And then she's like, and then my 23-year-old overconfident self said, okay, do I get to perform the whole song? And they said, well, no, it's going to be part of a medley of the other nominees. And she's like, well, I'd really prefer if I could just perform the whole thing. And they're like, well, that's not what we're doing. She's like, then I don't want to do it. To this day, she regrets that decision specifically for her mom. Yep. Definitely. The video for this song, she's just kind of wandering around singing sadly amongst a bunch of aircraft, right? Yeah. Not much else to it than that. No, and everybody else looks bored except for her. (laughs) Which is so sad to me because it's such a great song, and I know that everybody in the band resented it. I just don't understand. I mean, I I look at things. We talked about Vangelis and how he didn't do things according to Hollywood standards, except for a little bit, so that it could make him basically make him enough money and give him the opportunity to do the things that he wanted. If you're in a band and you have a song that allows you to tour the world and appear at the charts and you've got name recognition why be so begrudging about having to perform it when it would allow you to do so much more i don't know i have no idea yeah this song so good that when they showed top gun on tv in the united kingdom in 1990 take my breath away reached number three in the charts wow (laughs) it's awesome by the way jessica simpson has a version of this oh yeah i remember that yeah yeah it's pretty good all right hit stop on your tape player kick it out flip it over side two Top Gun soundtrack, leading off the song Hot Summer Nights. Okay, this song is by Miami Sound Machine. Yes. It was written by a guy named Michael Joy, but this is Miami Sound Machine's music. It is, it's definitively them, right? It's pop. It's that, got that Latin feel to it. Yeah. So, Miami Sound Machine was originally called Miami Latin Boys when the band first formed. Yep. So, Gloria and her cousin were at a wedding. They were guests at a wedding. They knew some of the guys in the band, and there were some, you know, standard Cuban songs that they knew, and so they convinced the girls to come up and sing. They did such a good job that they said, you should join the band. And that is how the name changed from Miami Latin Boys to the Miami Sound Machine. She said, I will do it, but I have to be able to keep going to school. So they did with her primarily weekend stuff. She was getting her degree, including a minor in French. And so she worked at the Miami International Airport as a translator for English, Spanish, and French. And was so good that she was approached by the CIA to become a employee. That is unbelievable. There you go. I told you that Gloria's father was a police escort in Cuba for President Batista. Yeah. So as soon as Castro took over, they had to split. Uh-huh. She said they packed up everything they had, flew to Miami as soon as possible. Her father was like, well, this is just until we can get back in power and go back to Cuba. Yeah. So he's like, well, I'm going to go and get involved in this thing that became known as the Bay of Pigs. Yeah. I mean, it was the attempt to get back into power, right? Right. They captured him. He was in Cuba's prison for 18 months. They let him out to go back to Miami, and then he served in the U.S. military in Vietnam. Wow. So they broke through in 1985, right before this song, Mm -hmm. with the Latin song, Conga. You cannot not dance when you hear this song. How can you not shake your maracas to this song? (laughs) (laughs) 
The funny thing is, is that nobody thought this song would work because the American pop audiences would think this is too Latin and the Latin audiences would think this is too American. I'll tell you what, I went to her restaurant in Orlando yeah. and they played conga about every five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> That's why they're here. And guess what? I dance every single time. Yeah, you shook your maracas every time. <laughs> this is a great song. I love it. They play this in the bar when Mav and Charlie are just first getting to know each other. Mm-hmm. But really, this is right before Gloria Estefan took off. They changed yeah. the name of the band to Gloria Estefan and the Miami Sound Machine. And then finally, just Gloria Estefan. Yeah. So, the next summer, she would have the song Rhythm Is Gonna Get You, mm-hmm. which was in the movie Stakeout, which was one of my favorites from the summer of 87. Yeah. Just a great song and a great movie. Yeah. So, anything else on this one? Nope. All right. Next song? This is the second song on side two, Heaven In Your Eyes by Loverboy. song too man it's it is uh irresistible to me the lead singer for Loverboy is mike reno right we talked about him in our footloose soundtrack episode that's right because he did the duet with ann wilson ann wilson of heart yes in the song called almost paradise yes every time i hear heaven in your eyes like i start to sing the lyrics to almost paradise because <laughs> it's the same chord progression The key is one step different, but it is the same chord progression. But I don't care. I love them both. They're great. I love them both. I told you the other night, I I said, this song is pure cheese, but it's irresistible to me. And I think it finishes really strong. I love the end of this song. Yeah. This peaked at number 12 in 1986. See, again, you got a video, right? Right. Even the song with an awful video. Right. Charted. It did chart. I think we've found the secret to why Cheap Trick did not hit the charts. MTV in 1986 was a force in pop culture. But interestingly, keyboardist Doug Johnson, not in the video, because he felt like the movie glorified war and he didn't want to be part of that. So this song came out on the tail end of the Loving Every Minute of It album. Okay. Produced by Mr. Robert John Mutt Lang. Oh, okay. Very good. Yeah. But that album had some big hits, and I thought Loverboy, getting ready to make their comeback, didn't quite happen. No. Their next album, called Notorious, had songs written by John Bon Jovi, Richie Sambora. Surely those are going to be hits, right? No. No, it didn't work. Not so much. No. Sadly, that was kind of the last we've heard of Loverboy. Right. This song plays in the airport when Goose meets Carol. That's the song kind of playing over the speakers Uh, in the airport. Okay, okay. So Interesting. There you go. Anything else? Nope. All right, moving on. The next song on the album is called Through the Fire by Larry Green. trying to stop the gushing you love this song. i love this song too this is actually a really good song i don't remember it from the 80s at all but listening to the soundtrack i don't know why this song could not have been a single with a video it could have been a hit totally uh at this point i couldn't tell you anything about larry green so i looked hard for stuff on larry green tell me here's what i found out yeah he was the lead singer for a group called fortune okay
that had a hit song off of the Last American Virgin soundtrack in 1982. Okay. That's all I got. Here's what I got. Okay. His last name is Green. Yes. And his first name is Larry. (laughs) (laughs) Not a great rock voice. he made a really good song on a really great album that did not get the credit it was deserved. This is like the Diet Cola version of Danger Zone to <laughs> it me. Kind of is. Right? Yeah. It's it's pump and rock. It doesn't quite have the Kenny Loggins greatness, mm-hmm. but it's in the same vein, right? It's it's maybe it was one of the second or third placers. I, I'm I'm just thinking they had the music and they're like, okay, we need a singer, and they're like, we've used every singer we know. <laughs> what about Larry? Who's Larry? <laughs> Larry Green, my neighbor. <laughs> exactly. Uh sure. Bring him over. There you go. Larry Green. I don't care. It's a good song. It's not a skipper. I like it. Yeah. Now, this is the one song that I cannot find in the movie. Like, I don't think they play it anywhere in the movie. Okay. I wonder if Larry Green is still making money off of this thing. Just. I hope so. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> Landed a random song on a gigantic hit album and has been able to, you know, retire to Malibu or whatever. <sighs> Nothing in uh, Maverick, unfortunately, from Larry Green. All right. You ready to move on to Destination Unknown? Yes. All right, here we go. Number four on side two, Destination Unknown by Marietta. So, Marietta, not a singer that I'm familiar with. Right. Apparently, she had a song on the movie Perfect. Yes, by design. By design. Speaking of, you know, aerobics and jazzercise clothes, I don't know that they're playing volleyball, but, you know. Jamie Lee Curtis. Hey. And then she also had a the title song for a movie called Fire and Ice. Yes. From Europe. Yes. Uh, and apparently charted pretty well over there, but it's not one that I'm familiar with at all. She has another song from the sequel to Fire and Ice. <laughs> Fire and Icier? It's uh, Fire, Ice, and Dynamite. <laughs> uh, okay. Does Dynamite beat Ice? Does Fire <laughs> beat Dynamite? How does that work? Paper, Scissor, Rocks, Dynamite. Gotcha. I don't know. I like this song. It's a good pop song. She's got a great voice. I love this album. I'm, I'm blowing through it. Yeah. This is played during the graduation when they hand out the infamous non-existent Top Gun trophy. Ah, okay. Now I remember. Yes, okay. Very good. Okay. Not a skipper. It's not bad. It's very 80s. It kind of marries the style of Top Gun with the style of Beverly Hills Cop, but decent song. Yeah. She is now a singing coach in California. Oh, cool. Yeah. Okay. All right. Are we ready to move to the final song on side two? Last song on the album. Play the bell, please, sir. This is the Top Gun theme by Harold Voltemeyer. Dude, is the, is the hair the on hair, your arms standing up? They are. Every time I hear this song. The underlying music is such a great intro 
to the movie, which they, again, they used in Top Gun Maverick as well. It did that. It brought the hair standing up on my arms because I'm like, oh yeah, they're they're doing this right. Yeah. They are doing it right for the retro fans, for sure. Absolutely. When this song played in Maverick, my eyes got misty. Chills, yeah. hair standing up on my arms. I'm like, this is what I've been waiting 36 years to see. Yeah. So you told the story about how Harold Faltermeyer was having dinner with Jerry Bruckheimer and Don Simpson and how they were like, well, we still need this kind of anthony song. And Harold Faltermeyer is like, yeah, I think I kind of have an idea for that. I've got the song. I think I, it's going to be perfect for you guys. And Don Simpson's like, great, let's go listen to it. Like, put down your fork. He's like, uh, I mean, I can record it for you. And he's like, no. Nah. We're going to your house. Right. <laughs> We're going to your studio. He's like mid-chew going, oh, well, let's hear. You know what? I don't want dessert. I'll see you guys there. <laughs> <laughs> he said it wasn't a lie, but it wasn't completely true either. Well, again, as I mentioned, he has perfect pitch. So the idea that he could put a song together in his head and have the ability to play it and write it as soon as he arrives at the studio is not unbelievable. Yeah. And he had, I think he just had a buddy there that could play the guitar. And so he's like, okay, here's what I need you to play and I'll play my part. And Simpson and Bruckheimer arrive and they're like, this is it. This is great. This is amazing. Tony Scott would play it for Tom Cruise on the set of the movie, just kind of get him in the tone. Yeah. We mentioned that Harold Faltermeyer was a sound engineer, you know, in addition to being a writer. Right. And so he was engineering for Billy Idol at the time. And we mentioned that Billy Idol was one of the guys that the real Top Gun pilots that they listened to for motivation. Well, as it happens, he is engineering Billy Idol's album, Whiplash Smile, at the same time that he's doing this stuff for Top Gun. And so he's there and... He's got this song that he's got to put down the anthem and Billy Idol's guitarist is there, Steve Stevens. He's like, hey man, could you come over and record a guitar part for me in the song that I've got for this movie? And Steve Stevens is like, sure, I'm not doing anything. Yeah, really. Goes over there, took him two hours. Yeah. Two hours. He says, Steve Stevens says, a few months later, Harold gives me a call and he's like, <laughs> hey, we're up for the Grammy. Yes. What? Yeah. That song that we recorded. Oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> So listen to this. I got a great Grammy story for yeah, you. Yeah, okay? go, go, go. So Steve Stevens is like, so I go to the Grammys, and when we win for Best Instrumental, <laughs> yeah. they hand you a Grammy Award. Congratulations. You go up to the front. He's like, well, here's the deal. You don't get to keep that one. Uh-huh. It's just a dummy award, right? right? They just kind of hand it to you. You say thank you. You walk off stage. They take it back from you. Then they mail you yours in the mail. He says, when he opened it, it was like, you got to put it together with a screwdriver. <laughs> What? Yeah. And so he went on MTV for something. He brought his Grammy and he proceeded to put it together while they're on air together. And he said the <laughs> Grammy people were not happy with that. Yeah. In fact, he's like, I'm going to get in trouble again for telling this story. I saw that interview. I saw him telling the story. And that's the first time I've ever heard him speak. If anybody out there doesn't know who we're talking about, think about the Dirty Diana video, the guitarist with the jet black, ultra spiky hair. Right. Just looks bad to the bone. Right. Any of the Billy Idol videos, same jet black hair, screaming guitar, just down and angry the whole time. And I listened to his interview and I'm like, he sounds like Woody Allen. (laughs) This is like the antithesis of the voice that I expected to come out of Steve Stevens' face. He sounds like a little Jewish guy. I don't... It's crazy. I think you're right. I totally agree with you. He looks like Nikki Sixx, Uh and he talks like... Woody Allen. Anyway, 
This song amaze balls. You need motivation for anything. You're about to go out on the field. You're about to go spike a volleyball. Yeah. So this is the last song on the Top Gun soundtrack mm-hmm. of 1986. Yeah. We're going to cover two more bonus songs that were in the Top Gun movie of yes. 86. Yep. Plus two from Maverick. Okay. So we're not done yet. Not done yet. This Top Gun soundtrack plus. So what you may have been surprised to find out when you bought the album back in 1986, or when you're listening to us right now because you never had the album, is that some songs, which feature prominently in the movie, were not on the soundtrack. Right. One of those songs is, I think she's lost that love and feeling. I, yeah. I hate it when she does that. Yeah, she, she's lost it. <laughs> Your There's no tenderness like grief in your It is maybe the most iconic song as far as interior music goes in the whole movie, and they didn't have it on the album. Yeah. Came out on a re-release later on, but here is You've Lost That Love and Feeling by The Righteous Brothers. Okay, so how many times did you sing this to some girl in 1986 or 1987? Dozens? Yeah. Dozens. It was a routine thing. In our music class, Like we thought, we can get away with this because it's music class. And every day we pick a different girl and every guy in the class would go sing the song to her. Yeah, it was a thing, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. I I know I picked up a girl for a date and had two of my buddies come with me. Yeah. And we serenaded her before we went on our date. Thank you to my buddies who, you know, Chris Alexander, one of our Patreons, actually was there for that. Yeah. We did it at church camp. We did it at school. We did it everywhere. Awesome. Yeah. Okay, so if you want to know the Bill Medley history, go back and check out our Dirty Dancing track-by-track. I go into a great amount of detail there, but part of that was how the Righteous Brothers were almost done. They were doing basically like one of their last shows before they were going to move on to bigger and other things. Yep. And a man who was putting on the show saw them and said, hey, I'd like to sign you guys to my label. And that man's name was Phil Spector. Speaking of Dirty Dancing soundtrack, Phil Spector, we talked at length about him. He's crazy. He's psychotic. It's an episode worth listening to. It really is. Sure. It's one of our best, I would say. So when he does put together the album with them, one of the songs is You've Lost That Love and Feeling. Yeah. Did you know that this song was inspired by Baby I Need Your Love and by The Four Tops? It was inspired by two songs, right? The song was written by Phil Spector, Barry Mann, and Cynthia Wheel, okay? Barry Mann wrote the medley first and then came up with the opening line, You never close your eyes anymore when I kiss your lips. That came from a line from the song, I love how you love me, which was co-written by Mann and produced by Spector, which says, I love how you close your eyes whenever you kiss me. Oh. How about that? Nice. So when they first heard this song, they said, guys, this sounds like a great song for the Everly Brothers. This is not in our range. And they're like, no, no, here's what we're going to do. We're going to slow it down. We're going to lower it, and it'll be perfect for you. As you mentioned, Phil Spector is the one who discovered the Righteous Brothers. They were signed as his first white act. 
Bobby Hatfield, who's the other guy in the Righteous Brothers. Yeah. So he reportedly was not happy with Phil Spector when he learned that Bill Medley would start the first verse and that he would have to wait until the chorus before he could join in. Before this, they would sing equally in the song, right? Or they would sing together. And so when he asked Phil Spector, what am I supposed to do during Medley's solo? Phil Spector said, well, you can go directly to the bank. He's like, okay, I'll just stand over here and shut up then. Yeah, no kidding. So, and he was right. Biggest song of their career? Absolutely. At the time, Phil Spector was a powerhouse. How do you, yeah, how do you make any kind of complaint about, yeah, I'm going to give you a record label. I'm going to give you a hit song and, oh, you don't get to start singing for a few minutes? Yeah. Suck an egg, bro. I know. I'll murder you. <laughs> Steal your shoes and then murder you. Put you in a glass coffin. <laughs> the vocals on this song took eight hours and two days to record. Wow. Phil Spector, perfectionist, take after take after take after take. He organized the wall of sound. You had the wrecking crew in the background. We talked at length about how Cher got her start as a background singer in this song. She was standing there next to her boyfriend, Sonny Bono. Mm -hmm. Phil Spector said, hey, I understand your girlfriend can sing. He's like, well, you know, you know, sort of. He's like, I don't care. She just has to stand in the background and make noise for the wall of sound. So Cher was involved in the background. They knew they had something going on, but they still had their doubts whether it would be a hit or not because it was long. It was four minutes long, which at the time was extremely long. Yeah. And it was slow. It was a slow paced song. Yeah. Okay. Also, this is in the middle of the British invasion and the Beatles are all the rage. Hmm. <laughs> this song hit number one on the Hot 100, February 16th, 1965. Okay. And number two on the R&B chart. It's a great song. It's a song of the ages, man. Oh, man. For sure. By the way, Brian Wilson of the Beach Boys, who yes. we talked... At length, being massively influenced by the Ronettes. Be My Baby. Be My Baby. Another Phil Spector song. Right. And him putting together Pet Sounds with the Wrecking Crew. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Brian Wilson's response to this song, when he ran into Man and Wheel, the writers of this song, uh -huh. he said, your song is the greatest record ever. I was ready to quit the music business, but this has inspired me to write again. And the song that he wrote in response to this song uh -huh. is Good Vibrations. I'm picking up good vibrations. She's giving me the excitations. This is my favorite Beach Boy song. I sent you a picture a little bit earlier this week. I sent it to you and James Buckley and David Wright. It was a picture of my radio readout, which had a hundred degree temperature. Yes. And we were listening to Good Vibrations by the Beach Boys. And I said, the AC is not working, so we're pretending we're on the beach. Yes. <laughs> Love Good Vibrations. Yeah. Phil Spector himself rated this song as the pinnacle of his career. I can see that. And that's before he blew that girl's head off and went to jail. That would maybe not be a pinnacle. <laughs> Most infamous. Yes. Not pinnacle. Yes. By the way, you know, you talked about how Maverick serenades Charlie in the bar and yeah. it's the big moment in the movie. Do you remember on Cheers, Rebecca Howe, her favorite song is You've Lost That Love and Feeling. Uh -huh. And her boyfriend, Robin Colcord, hires Bill Medley to go to Cheers and sing directly to her. Do you remember this episode? I kind of do, yes. I don't think I've seen it since the 80s, but yeah, I think I kind of do. So her rich boyfriend hires Bill Medley to go to Cheers, sing You've Lost That Love and Feeling directly to her. And the whole time he's singing to her, she's freaking out. Can I help you? Uh, yeah, Rebecca Howe. Hey. Uh, Rebecca, this is from Robin Colcord. You never close your eyes. 
Basically tells her to shut up. It's great. Yeah. Great song. Now then. Another song that was in the movie, not on the soundtrack. Song by Mr. Jerry Lee Lewis. The Killer. Great Balls of Fire. You shake my nerves and you rattle my brain. Too much of love drives a man insane. You broke my will. I was very familiar with this song. Really? Uh, we had all kinds of LPs when I was a kid. My parents had lots of albums, and this one was on. Uh, this one was on like a compilation with Little Richard and a bunch of other big piano rock singers. That's interesting. I had never heard the song in my life. Of course, Goose plays it at the piano when he's at the. KC Barbecue in San Diego. Yeah, we mentioned in our Top Gun episode that Tony Scott had kind of been humming it in his head as he drove to work that day. And he's like, okay, here's what we're going to do without having done anything to license the song from Jerry Lee Lewis or the company. And you said Anthony Edwards did not know he was going to sing and he can't play the piano. Correct. (laughs) All right, Tony, I'm game. (laughs) Acting. This song hit number two on the Hot 100, number one on the country chart, and number three on the R&B chart. That's a, that's a quite a mix. Name another song that hit that high on those three charts no idea. at the same time? No. Rolling Stone calls this the 96th greatest song ever. I'm going to tell you a little bit about Mr. J. Lee Lewis. Okay. Yeah, I'm excited. We could do a whole Here's, episode on this. We, they made a movie about it. Yes, they did. It had Winona Ryder and Mr. Dennis Quaid in it. That movie is incomplete because there's way more craziness that comes out after this. Okay? Tell me, man. Tell me. So, I just want to tell you. He was married seven times. Okay. That's a lot. Two times bigamously. Bigamous. I was big of big of me, big of you. It's big of both of us. It's bigamous. So, he was married to a lady and married to another lady at the same time. Twice. Yes. During his life. Twice the twice. Twice and twice. He also (laughs) married his 13-year-old underage cousin. Yeah, that was Winona Ryder in the movie. Yes. He was angry on the honeymoon night because he said she didn't move like a virgin. (laughs) I sure hope she did since she was only 13. Oh, my gosh. They were married for 13 years. Oh, wow. All the way to 26. That's exactly right. That was his third marriage. By the way, the brain is fully developed at 25. Oh, my gosh. Great Balls of Fire was released within a month of when he married her. Uh And his career went from the peak pinnacle to the top like a rocket Uh to the depths of despair. Just because he married his cousin? Just because he married his cousin. I I told you, I can still remember seeing an MTV interview where Kurt Loder is interviewing him and and that subject comes up and he's like, man, ain't you ever been at the family reunion you want to kiss your cousin? (laughs) And Kurt Loder's like, no, I have never, ever wanted to kiss my cousin. His other cousin was Jimmy Swaggart, who you've probably seen or heard of. He's an evangelist, TV evangelist, very popular in the 80s, got in trouble uh, behind closed doors with the lady of the night. Yep. Now then, Jerry Lee Lewis is the time. I have sinned. Uh, Yes, that's right. He apologized. He was upset. Jimmy Swaggart and Jerry Lee Lewis used to enter musical contests together, and they would sing and play the piano together. Ah. He said they won every talent contest they ever entered. Wow. Jerry Lee Lewis is the type of guy that bad things just seem to happen around him. (laughs) 
And sooner or later, you have to ask yourself, what's the common denominator here? Okay. All right? Yeah. So he lost a three-year-old son to a swimming pool accident. He lost a 19-year-old son to a car crash. Okay. His fourth wife was found accidentally drowned in a pool. Okay. His fifth wife, Sean Stevens, she was found dead. He accidentally shot his bass player one time with a gun. Well. You know, as you do. He got in the way. (laughs) Things just happen around him. Okay. But (laughs) musical genius. Right. Made it a great song. Yeah. Incredible. Great balls of fire. Yep. Okay. I think it's interesting that this song got a lot of controversy when it was released because of the line, let me love you like a lover should. That was seen as extreme sexual innuendo. Wow. Eric Clapton and John Lennon both credit Jerry Lee Lewis as being one of their biggest influences. I can see it. He pounded out the rock hits. Yep. He did. Dolly Parton did a version of Great Bells of Fire, which was the title track of her 1979 album, and that cover was used in a Miami Vice episode in 1985. Okay. How about that? Wow. It's a deep cut, my friend. How about that? Okay. Let's do a couple of songs from Maverick. Maverick. We are moving from 1986 all the way up to 2022. All right. First single off of the album was a song by Lady Gaga. Yes. Okay. Before we get started, talking about this song yeah people kind of notice that i make connections right yes are you ready for this yeah okay so lady gaga is in a movie she's in a few movies but one of the big movies is a star is born right right bradley cooper right so kenny loggins got his start in doing soundtracks with the movie caddyshack which we talked about in our caddyshack versus happy gilmore episode yes we did and the way that that happened was he met a guy named john peters who produced caddyshack but at the time they met john peters was dating barbara streisand right and barbara streisand and john peters had kenny loggins over to help write some music for the movie a star is born yes So Barbara Streisand really was the catalyst to Kenny Loggins being involved in soundtracks at the beginning while writing songs for A Star is Born. Bring that full circle to (laughs) Lady Gaga, the remake of A Star is Born, now has a song on the Top Gun Maverick soundtrack. How about that? There you go. Kenny Loggins probably has the biggest song on the 86 soundtrack. Yeah. Lady Gaga clearly has the biggest song on the Maverick soundtrack. Lady Gaga is not somebody I have a lot of songs of hers on my phone, but I've got a few. She's, sure. she's I mean, she's a powerhouse and has been for... Killer voice. Yeah. Love dozen years or more. Yeah. Yep. Amaz- and amazing songwriting abilities. And the movie, The Star is Born, that she's in, love it. Great music, great story. If you haven't seen it, go check out that movie definitely worth it wow so the song we're going to talk about with her yes is a song called hold my hand so This song is awesome. I love it. And it became the score of the movie. Like, it's the take my breath away of Top Gun Maverick. It's the love theme between Maverick and Penny. Right. Admiral's daughter. (laughs) And one Admiral's daughter. This song has been credited as being arena rock 
and based on 1980s power rock music. It is definitely a power ballad, no question about it. I love that. She's been working on this song for years. Okay. And in fact, she said that through COVID, this has become sort of a love song to everyone. I gotta say though, COVID precautions say that you should not hold hands. (laughs) (laughs) You should not hold my hand. Lady Gaga said during the COVID-19 pandemic era, she described the song as a love letter to the world during and after a very hard time. Uh All right, get this. Tom Cruise has said, listen to this quote. Lady Gaga came in with this song. Mm -hmm. It became our score. It became the heartbeat of this film. What she did emotionally, I was so concerned until I heard that piece. And I knew that that piece, what it does, how it married our story emotionally. So that was a moment. It was just a real moment for all of us. It was the missing piece to Top Gun Maverick. It's a great song. to Journey's Open Arms and Hearts Alone. Sure. Iconic power ballad. Power ballad. Yep. Okay, so that was the first single released off the Top Gun Maverick soundtrack. The second single released is by the band One Republic, and it is called I Ain't Worried. I love this song. This is <laughs> this is one of my favorite. Like I can't stop listening to this song right now. When it's you told so me we were good. covering this one, yeah. I was like, I don't really think I know this song. But as soon as I played it, I'm like, oh, it's the football beach song. Yeah, it's the fighter pilot football song. And they and then in the video, it's got a lot of footage from that particular scene. Lots of baby oil. Yes. So I was like, and. You know, we've got to talk about them because One Republic, Oklahoma. And you're like, what? I'm like, I'm pretty sure One Republic is from Oklahoma. This is a great story. And so I was like, God, I think I'm right. And so I looked it up. I'm like, no, wait a minute. They're from Colorado Springs. And I'm like, oh, lead singer. Yes, he's from Tulsa. And so I sent you his picture. And I was like, look, dude, he's from your hometown, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Tell me what happened. Okay. So I grew up in Tulsa, Oklahoma. As soon as we figured out that the lead singer of One Republic is from Tulsa, I looked at his page and figured out he went to Jinx High School, which is where me and my entire family went to high school, right? <laughs> right. So I text my sisters. So I'm class of 91. Uh-huh. I have a younger sister who's class of 95 yeah. and a younger sister class of 99. Right. Now he's class of 97. Class of 97. So I text both of my sisters. I send them a picture of this guy. Yeah. And I said, do you know this guy? And my older sister... She's like, I, I have kids. Who Who is this? I don't, I don't know who this is. Right. right? Yeah. Am I supposed to know who this is? Uh-huh. My younger sister goes, is this a trick question? <laughs> and I said, what do you mean? Uh-huh. She said, why would I know the lead singer of One Republic? Right. So she, she knew who he was. Yeah. And I'm like, well, maybe it's because you walked the hallways at high school together. And she was like, what? Yeah. So she had no idea. Right. So the guy we're talking about is Ryan Tedder. Right. He is the lead singer for One Republic. 
and I'm gonna I gotta give it a little bit Go. of history because I thought it was it was pretty good. Okay, so he went to Jinx High School except for his senior year where he went off to Colorado Springs, right? And that's where he met one of his bandmates. It was a ride back to Oklahoma, I believe, that they started talking about the music that they love, and they're like, we should put a band together, and that's how One Republic is born. He comes back to Tulsa. He goes to ORU. Oral Roberts University, right? In right. Tulsa, Oklahoma. Yep. And he graduates. He goes over to Nashville. He's in Nashville for like two months, and he gets picked by Lance Bass of NSYNC to be in this MTV contest. And the prize for the contest, this is kind of like a American Idol style of thing, right? Yes. All these amateurs competing. And so the, the prize is you get to get signed to Lance Bass's new record label, right? Yeah. And so he goes on, he competes. He's been for now, he's been in Nashville for two months. He competes and judges and fans alike vote him number one. He wins the contest. He signs paperwork to be a part of Lance Bass's new label. And he said, and two weeks later, I was waiting tables and picking chips up off the ground. <laughs> he said it was all just a bunch of hype. There was no real really? label. It was all just a bunch of nonsense to try to promote a show and a label that ultimately did not work out. So wow. it's like, my dreams are realized. Oh, here, let me yank the carpet right out from underneath you. Wow. So a little while later... He leaves and goes out to L.A. The one great thing that comes from this contest that he was in, that got, I mean, he was performing in front of a million people, is one of the guys that sees him is Timbaland. He's a record producer. Okay. He's done a lot of stuff, right? Sure. And so Timbaland spends the next year trying to find him. Well, he's in L.A. I mean, he's as poor as poor can be. He sold his car to buy music equipment. He's selling songs to people for like 300 bucks or something, just trying to get some stuff out there. And so his daytime, he spends writing songs for other people. His nights, he spends with One Republic, trying to develop them. And what they have... This is so great. This is two, early 2000s. They have a MySpace account. Whoa. They end up being the biggest unsigned MySpace band. And because of that, Timbaland is able to find them. They ultimately get a record deal because of their song, Apologize. In 2006, they do their first album. Timbaland remixes Apologize. And suddenly, they are big, bright, shining stars <laughs> that's great here's the deal my music knowledge drops way off starting at about the year 2000 uh -huh. okay i make it pretty much through the 90s and then after that i bow out i've got kids i you know yeah so a song has to be monumentally huge for me to be familiar with it yes poker face by lady gaga you couldn't live in this world and not hear that song the song counting stars by one republic is one of those songs yeah it was their next monumental hit they had several songs that did very well but counting stars was their next monumental hit i've had apologize and counting stars on my playlist for since they came out i i love one republic and so when i heard the song i didn't recognize them because the sound on i ain't worried is very different than the sound that they have on Counting Stars or Apologize. It's a way different sound, but I love it. It's very indie rock, which is about the only stuff that I like to listen to as far as modern music is concerned. I heard it, I was thinking Joy Wave, I'm, I'm thinking Guster, I'm thinking all of these bands, and I'm like, it sounds so familiar, and then I see that it's by One Republic, I'm like, oh dude, there you go. I recognize the voice, and they're doing a style of music that I love, and I love this song. So, Ryan Tedder. Mighty Jinx Trojan. 
<laughs> Sorry. Mighty Jinx Trojan, Ryan Tedder. Keep going. Yes, 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 of course. Yes. <laughs> that's his big claim. He's won three Grammys. <laughs> three Grammys. But that's the thing that that's makes that's, him famous is he went okay. to Jinx High School with Jason Culp. That's right. Got it. Get it right. <laughs> so, three Grammys. Because yes. he was a producer on Adele's 21 and Adele's 25 and Taylor Swift's 1989. That's pretty good. I think that One Republic needs to make an album that has a number as a title because that seems to be a success for him. But he is, he's made songs that have become huge hits for other artists. He is a incredibly prolific guy, but I'm really glad that he's got a single on this new amazing movie. It's a great song. I love it. It's my favorite song right now. Let me throw this out there real quick. Yeah. Ryan, if you're listening, the baseball field needs a little bit of work. <laughs> this is a little tidbit on this. Just a little tidbit, right? <laughs> so he's, he started playing music when he was three. He's raised in like a Christian missionary household, right? Right. right. And... His parents would reward him with candy corn when he practiced the piano. <laughs> I think candy corn is the worst candy imaginable. <laughs> I was identifying with this guy on so many levels, and then I was like, candy corn? Yuck. Yeah. yeah. I'm not practicing today, Mom and Dad. My favorite line from this song, time is running out, so spend it like it's gold. I'm living like I'm nine zeros. No regrets, even when I'm broke. I love it. Love it. And the whistle. Look how I love this. And the whistle's great. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so more, I said before, oil. we've got... We've got the question now. We've got the volleyball song and we've got the fighter pilot football song. Yep. What do you think is the better song? I, I come on. I'm old school. I'm always going to go with old school. I, I'm playing with the boys every day of the week. I guarantee you're taking one republic. Obviously, I am spiking the football. I am spiking both footballs. I'm spiking the volleyball. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one. Okay. <laughs> All right. Before we weigh in, final judgment on what we think is the best song out of this grouping. Yeah. Let's hear from our buddy Jeff Johnson of the A Film By podcast. He weighed in on what he thought about the Top Gun soundtrack, and here's what he had to say. Hello, Shirley fans. This is Jeff Johnson from A Film By Podcast. Spit Take and Pebbles have called me back to Miramar, and I'm going to offer a few words about the Top Gun soundtrack. Let's begin with Harold Faltermeyer's Top Gun Anthem. It's motivating, stimulating, and evokes a feeling of courageousness. I like to think that if you could assign a sound to victory, it would be it. And while it is the official theme for the movie, many would regard Kenny Loggins' Danger Zone as the unofficial theme and the go-to song on the album. Through the years, its popularity has never waned, and given its inclusion in Top Gun Maverick, I have a feeling its rotation is safe on radio stations throughout America. Now, Maverick and Iceman may be the best of the best, but they still need backup from guys like Wolfman, Sundown, and Merlin. And you find that same kind of support on this soundtrack. Artists like Larry Green and Loverboy keep you engaged. Tina Marie and Miami Sound Machine lead you straight to the dance floor, while Jerry Lee Lewis and the Righteous Brothers lead you back in time. And what about Mighty Wings? The adrenaline-pumping rock song from Cheap Trick? I say give it the coveted Top Gun trophy, because it is the best song on this album. Guys, this soundtrack has it all. Thumping instrumentals, rock, pop, oldies, and let us not forget a best song Oscar for Berlin's Take My Breath Away, as beautiful as it is timeless. As for Top Gun Maverick, I think having Hans Zimmer support Harold Faltermeyer is on par with Viper offering to be Maverick's Rio. The end result is spectacular. Lady Gaga's power ballad, Hold My Hand, 
with its message of reconciliation, loyalty, and love is everything we could have asked for in a song to help tell Maverick's story. As for I Ain't Worried by One Republic, I think it's definitely captured that fun summer vibe and would be a great addition to any playlist, whether you're lounging by the pool, having fun at the family barbecue, or maybe playing some dogfight football on the beach. Speaking of barbecue, uh, I see my order's not ready just yet, but the piano is now free, so I'm going to go embarrass myself and give this place a rendition of Great Balls of Fire. And as for the Top Gun soundtrack, well, in 1986, it was the cassette inside my Sony Walkman when I soared through the neighborhood on my mongoose. In 1996, it was the CD playing for my Pontiac Firebird. And nowadays, I'm streaming it. I never get tired of it. And that is why it's the best soundtrack of 1986. Guys, I'll see you next time. Thanks. I love Jeff Johnson. Jeff's hey, great, man. He is freaking brilliant. I love the comparisons. I don't agree with his choice of song, but I absolutely love it. And guys, if you have not checked out a Film by podcast, you need to go check it out. Uh, they just came out with Maximum Overdrive, which I thought was absolutely hysterical. Listen to him talk about that movie. Definitely go check him out. Jeff, thank you for contributing, man. Jeff, coming strong with the Mighty Wings. I yeah. love that song. And you know what? I'm with you, bro. D's not on board, but that's okay. Uh. Thanks for chiming in, Jeff. We appreciate you. Okay, so that brings us to our question. What is your number one favorite song? Are we just saying original soundtrack? Let's do original soundtrack. Original soundtrack only. Original soundtrack and only. And then of the extra then, yeah. songs, we'll, we'll pick amongst that. Okay. Yeah, okay. Okay. All right, so you go first. Original soundtrack, what's your number one song? The best song on the original soundtrack mm-hmm. is the one that gives me chills and makes the hair stand up on my arm every time I freaking hear it, and it's the Top Gun anthem. Steve Stevens blasting my balls off with that guitar. Every time I hear it, it makes me want to go join the Navy. I mean, it's so good. I love it. I can't, I don't know what to say. Every time I hear it, that bell, whoo, man. It is powerful. Yes. No question it's powerful. I can't fault you for that. For me... It, I, I mean, I hate to, to be boring, but it's got to be Danger Zone. I, I mean, I can't fault you either. I mean, it, that song blows the doors off just like the anthem, but you got Kenny Loggins' rocking voice to go along with it. Yeah. Now, that song, best song in the album, hands down, in my opinion. Okay. Worst song? Honestly, I don't have a worse song on this album. <laughs> None of these are skippers. This album is solid. Even the ones by Larry Green and Marietta, who I don't, I mean, I don't know. They're still good. They're that is the correct good. answer, sir. Yeah. You you nailed it. There is no bad song on this album. They're all great. They're all non-skippers. Yeah. No wonder this is one of the best-selling al- albums of all time. I'm spiking the football. This is the best soundtrack of 1986, hands down. Okay. Now. Yep. For the extra songs. We threw out four extra songs. We've got The Righteous Brothers. We've got Jerry Lee Lewis. We've got One Republic. And we've got Lady Gaga. That's hard, man. We're talking about all-time classics. Yeah. (sighs) Is it my turn? Well, I was going to say, we're talking about all-time classics, and we're also talking about brand new top-of-the-chart songs, too. Yeah. Yeah. Potentially new classics. Yeah. The best song of these four, man... As much as I want to say Hold My Hand by Lady Gaga, which I just think is a fantastic song, I have to say You've Lost That Love and Feeling. It's a full-on cranker every time I hear it. It makes me want to go serenade my wife. Yeah. You know? Uh, Yeah. I mean, of all time, probably that's going to be the right answer. 
but right now I Ain't Worried has got me captivated. I'm picking it as the number one of the extra songs, and I realize it's probably the least popular of all of them, but I don't care. I love it. I love the style. I love the lyrics. I love the whistles. I love it's it all. It's fun. Yeah, it's Absolutely. fun. Man, I feel like every song we've listened to today has just been great. Yep. It's a lot of fun. So that's going to do it for the Top Gun Soundtrack Plus. Let us know where you weigh in. What song is your favorite? What song of the new songs do you like the best? Come at us. Let us hear from you. Yeah, and guys, don't forget, if you become a Patreon member, you will get access to some secret episodes that we're going to have. We are covering some one-hit wonders of the 80s and beyond, and that begins this month for as low as 5 bucks a month. You buy Jason and I a cup of coffee, every month and we give you a full-on in-depth dive to one of the iconic one-hit wonders of the last century. We will see you next week when we dive into Whitesnake, the history of the band Whitesnake and how they got to the still of the night. I don't know where I'm going, but I still know where I've been. (laughs) Hanging on the promises of the songs of yesterday. That's what we do here. See you guys next week.